It's time for the Alien Conspiracy Podcast. We are your hosts, Agent ETA. Agent Redacted. Agent Kruger. (laughs) And Agent Anderson. Come along as we examine UFO sightings, conspiracies, and all things strange. You can follow the show on Twitter at AlienConPod. We also have an email address, AlienConPod at ProtonMail.com. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget to check us out on Discord and Facebook. Links in the description. This week's episode, Sports Conspiracies. All right. We got a couple of really good conspiracies all surrounding the idea of sports, kind of like a power hour sort of a format. Rather than focusing on one thing, we're each going to talk about one or two things or whatever that we find interesting that is generally and loosely under the umbrella of sports conspiracies. So I'll go first with this conspiracy, which, hey, I I don't want to toot my own horn here, but this is actually my conspiracy that nobody else, I've never heard anybody else even talk about this one. It's something that I noticed that nobody else seems to have noticed. So uh, it's a good one, I think. I think there's something to this one. So here we go. I'm talking about Lewis, Lennox Lewis versus Vitaly Klitschko. So since it's, I'm not going to do this for all of the guys I'm talking about, but since it's a sports episode, I feel like I want to get into a little bit about some sports type talk. So let's talk about Lennox Lewis. He had a really, really excellent amateur career. He won the gold medal junior world championships in 1983. And at age 18, he went to the 1984 summer Olympics in Los Angeles, where he lost to Tyrell Biggs in the quarterfinals. Biggs went on to win the gold medal. He remained an amateur, hoping for another chance to win the gold medal instead of going pro. He fought for various amateur titles over the next couple of years. He won some and he lost some, and some of the losses had suspicious local judges that, you know, maybe he should have won those fights. So he went to the Olympics again in 1988 in Seoul, Korea, and won the gold medal, defeating Riddick Bowe by stoppage in the second round. And if you're not aware of who Riddick Bowe is, then you're definitely not a boxing fan because he's a pretty big name. So that was a huge victory for Lennox Lewis. He was the first Canadian boxer to win gold in 56 years and went on to become the first ever super heavyweight gold medalist to win the heavyweight title. All in all, his amateur record was 85-9, and and he was only stopped once. As a pro, he won various regional titles before knocking out Razor Ruddock to become the number one contender. The title was held by none other than Riddick Bowe. Rather than face Lewis, he held a press conference where he threw his belt in a trash can, vacating the title instead of defending it. This had to do probably more with negotiations and pay rather than, you know, and stuff behind the scenes, rather than Bowe being afraid to fight Lewis. You never know, but I don't, I'm not sure that Bo was, he was afraid to fight Lewis. I think he just didn't like the negotiations, but you never know. And it's a really interesting thing in and of itself that could be another, you know, topic for a further episode, but I don't want to, that, that was when that happened, when he threw that in the trash can, that was a pretty big deal back in the day, but I don't want to stay on that one too long. So anyways, uh, he vacated the WBO title. But Riddick Bowe, that is. But he actually held other alphabet belts 
which we call them, if you're not familiar with boxing, there's a whole bunch of them. There's like the IBF, the WBF, the WBO, the IBC, you know, like, I don't know, whatever. There's a ton of them and they call them the alphabet titles because in and of themselves, they're not necessarily just holding one of those doesn't make somebody the champion. It makes them a champion. It's, it's a strange thing in boxing, but there's a bunch of titles. So some people say he was ducking Lewis. Some people people said he wasn't. But I think the real loss here is that these two guys never fought each other because Riddick Bowe was one of the best ever. And Lennox Lewis was one of the best ever. So we really, really missed out by not seeing them fight each other. I think it's a, mm. kind of a shame. It's one of those, you know, it's sort of like, um, you know, a more recent example that people might be familiar with would be uh, Khabib versus, um, versus uh, El Kukui, right? Like, that's a fight that everybody wanted to see happen, but it never happened. It's sort of like that. But they, and they were, they were also matched up uh, quite a few quite a few times, and each time something happened, whether it be a problem on uh, Habib's side or on Tony Ferguson's side, like an injury or, or what have you, then uh, it happened. You know, every single time they're ma- I think they were matched up five times. I think yeah, it was at least four. I know that the, the last time that they were matched up, uh, Tony Ferguson was walking through the lobby of a, ho- a hospital, a hotel. And um, I guess somebody had called his name like, hey, you know, El Kukui, this is that your badass or something like that, you know? And um, and he just turned around and like waved to him to like acknowledge him and tripped across uh, like some cords that were lying across the, uh, the, uh, the, the room he was in. And he just happened to trip, fall, and like I think he tore his LCL or something like that. Or he tore something in his knee, one of the ligaments in his knee. And uh, then, you know, he's out of the fight. <laughs> You're just like... As as an MMA fan, you're just like, oh, like the MMA gods don't want this to happen. You know what I mean? It's just, it's one of those things like, yeah, I remember wanting that fight so bad. And then just, yeah, every single time they were matched up, something happened. It was just, you're just waiting for it. Like, you know. The the last fight that they had got canceled because of COVID. So it's like, (laughs) stop scheduling these guys. Because the next time they schedule them, it's going to escalate. And it's going to be like nuclear world war or something that stops the fight next time. Like it's. You know, it's enough. It's yeah. not going to happen. Just give it up. You know, <laughs> stop cursing yeah, the, the world. The universe does not want this to happen. <laughs> Did that guy really throw his belt in the garbage can and like not retrieve it? Because he could sell that for quite a bit of money. You know, hang it up on his wall. Yeah, Riddick Bo really did throw his belt in the garbage can. Okay. I don't. I don't know what happened to that belt after the fact. Like he held a press conference and did that for the press conference. I don't know if he retrieved it afterwards. You would think that he would, but. Um, I don't know. It's no, you never know. Yeah, you never know. It's a strange thing. But uh I'll yeah, tell you so, one thing, if I was like a if I was a reporter or something, I'd be sticking around to see what happened. Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I'd snag it if I could. That's you know that's I mean? one hell of a souvenir <laughs> right there. But yeah, so after oh, yeah. Riddick Bowe vacated the title, the WBO, they didn't really know what to do, so they just kind of gave the title to Lewis because he was like the top guy, right? He was the top ranked guy, so like I don't know, I just okay, so there you go. So, anyways, he won the heavyweight title without having to fight for it. And there's only a couple of people who have ever done that in the history of the sport, which is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. So anyways, Lewis went on to dominate the heavyweight division. He only lost twice, once to Oliver McCall and once to Haseem Rahman. And both losses were by knockout, like one of these flash knockouts. And if you watch those fights, Lewis went into those fights, I think not fully respecting his opponents and his opponents took full advantage of that, landed a big shot, and knocked him clean out. But he beat both of them in a... He rematched both of those guys and beat them both in a rematch. 
Uh, and he's one of the one of the very few heavyweight champions ever to have defeated every single opponent that they've ever faced. The only other two were Ingemar Johnson and Rocky Marciano. So he's you know a pretty exclusive group there. He also uh, he, it wasn't a loss, but it was a draw against his first fight against Evander Holyfield. But um, a lot of people think that that was a bad decision and that he should have won that fight. But he did win the rematch. But I mean, that first Evander Holyfield fight, you could do, I mean, that could very well be a conspiracy on its in itself, because if you watch that fight, uh, nobody who saw that fight thought that Holyfield won that fight. It's, it's ridiculous. But I don't, maybe I'll talk about that one next time. The numbers are, he landed 348 to Holyfield's 130. So it, it's kind of silly that it was ruled a draw. And one of the judges actually scored it for Holyfield. Lewis is not one of the better known champions for whatever reason. He wasn't really popular during his day, but he beat a lot of really, really good quality opposition. He pretty much beat everybody. So some of the names that you may or may not be familiar with are like Mike Weaver, Tyrell Biggs, Tony Tucker, Frank Bruno, Merciless, Ray Mercer. I love that name. David Tua, Michael Grant, Shannon Briggs, Mike Tyson, and Vitaly Klitschko. (laughs) Shannon Briggs. Let's go champ. Yeah. <laughs> so that guy's still, he's still doing that to this day. Let's go champ. <laughs> I think as a matter of fact, uh, he has a boxing, I think, I don't know if it's an exhibition. I think it's a regular match, a sanctioned match against, uh, um, oh, who is it? He has a match coming up. Oh, oh it's against, it's against, um, freaking, uh, Quentin Rampage Jackson. No way. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That should be good. He's a yoked man. I, I ho- can only aspire to be in that shape. Hopefully it's legal. <laughs> but Well, huh? you never know what kind of extra help they have. I, <laughs> I know. I'm just, I don't know. Shannon Briggs testosterone is, boosters. You never know, man. Yeah. Uh, Shannon Briggs is getting up there in, in age. And 47. Is he 47 now? Okay. Yes, sir. Yeah. So he's up there, man. As far as like a athlete goes, that's a, that's a, that's, that's ancient, you know, that's, but he still looks pretty damn good. It looks like he's in shape and stuff. And um, it's kind of funny because, like, uh, I always thought of, like, Quentin Rampage Jackson as a, a pretty big dude. And he is a – he's not a small dude. You know, he's a pretty big dude. But Shannon Briggs is a, a bit bigger. He was, I, I saw him standing, like, in a face-off, like a, a scrum or something like that the yeah. other weekend. You know, I always thought it would inevitably be Mike Tyson versus Briggs at some point. Like, that would have been – that would be a good fight. I don't know if Tyson would be able to keep – because, you know, Briggs is – you know, in the game, technically, still, you know, so he's more fresh, but yeah, that's, well, I'd yeah, pay for that fight. He's definitely been more active, that's for sure. The last there you couple go. years, yeah. Speaking of Mike Tyson, I hear, I still to this day, I regularly hear people calling Tyson the greatest of all time and stuff like that. And like, yeah, he was really good. He's one of the and greats. he was the youngest champion yeah, ever. Not, not the, I'm not going to yeah. say he wasn't good. He was definitely good, but the greatest of all time, no. Not even close. Go watch no. his fight no. with Lennox Lewis. And Lewis beat, that's one of the worst beatings I've ever seen. Not only that, Lewis actually carried him during that fight. There's parts of that fight where Lewis would stagger Tyson and then would grab him and hold him up so that he could keep beating on him. And people think it's because Tyson said some really nasty stuff in the lead up to that fight. Like, I'm going to eat your children and, you know, this and that, talking about his family. <laughs> so they think that Lennox, Lewis... I'm coming for you. Yeah. <laughs> now, Keith. People think that Lewis wanted to punish him for that. And he punished the... It was... 
it's kind of not an easy fight to watch because I like to see a good competitive fight. I don't like to see a one-sided ass whooping, and that's that's what that was. Tyson got beat down in that fight. It's not it's not a fun fight to watch. But hey, if you like to see somebody get uh, you know beaten within an inch of their life, then check it out. It's because that's what happens. But before we get to the conspiracies, let's talk about some legacy statistics for all you sports nerds out there. So only one other boxer was ever awarded the heavyweight title without fighting for it, and that was Ken Norton in 1978. Lewis beat 15 fighters for the title, the fifth most in history. He was the fourth boxer, following Muhammad Ali, Evander Holyfield, and Michael Moore, to hold the heavyweight title on three occasions. His combined reigns lasted 3,086 days, or 8 years, 5 months, and 13 days, the fourth longest for heavyweight champ. His 14 title defenses is the fifth most ever in heavyweight history. He's one of only four heavyweight champs to retire with the title, the others being Gene Tunney, Rocky Marciano, and none other than Vitaly Klitschko, who we're going to get to in a moment. He wasn't as appreciated in his day, but with hindsight, he's now considered one of the best ever. For example, BoxRec ranks him as the seventh pound-for-pound greatest, or GOAT. And Boxing News ranked him the third best heavyweight of all time after Muhammad Ali and Joe Lewis. Personally, I think he would have beaten Ali and at least given Lewis a run for his money. Given that Lewis has a pretty significant size and reach advantage, and given his style, I think there's a good chance he beats anyone in the history of the sport. And mm-hmm. he was he was a big man. I, he was is. I mean, Lewis, he's he's not dead. He still is a big man. Like, what is he like um six five or something like that, I think? But his the thing is he moved like somebody much smaller. He was very fast, very agile, very athletic for somebody of that size. And that's why I say that. And for his for his size, his his punching speed was legendary. I mean, it was it yeah. was something that was often uh, brought up about him, you know. And and it, it's kind of funny because like you, you watch the tape and stuff on him, uh, these old fights, and like the quality of the film isn't. I mean, if only it was like as good as nowadays, you know. And you'd be able to like watch things in slow motion or you know pick apart things a little bit, a little bit better, you know. It's you can't really pick up on exactly how fast it is. It's not bad. You know, you can, you can tell the guy, the guy's pretty damn fast and powerful, obviously, but like, uh, it's, it's kind of hard to, to pick up on exactly how fast he was, especially for a heavyweight, you know? Yeah. And it's not just his speed. He's also had a lot of power. He has a lot of knockouts, but not just that. It's also just, just how smart of a boxer he was. He always had a strategy to overcome his opponents you know, and like his only yeah. losses were to what some people may call a lucky punch, but I don't think that lucky punches are really a thing. I think that his opponents got those knockouts legit, but as you can see in the rematches, the, the rematches were not even close. He came to those fights not underestimating his opponents, and he knocked them out. Yes, but does he have a NES, NES game made of him? Not that I'm aware uh-huh. of, no. That's but, a very good point. Yeah, but he oh, was... Is he a final boss battle boy? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, he was he was not as popular as like somebody like Mike Tyson, which is why he's not as well regarded by the general population. But, you know, it, just go look at that Tyson yeah. fight and you'll see the difference between somebody who's very, very good and somebody who's one of the best ever, you know, and... Now, and I'm sorry to interrupt before we move on. Like, well, who would you say... Where would you compare him to Tyson Fury? Like if they were to go toe to toe, 
if you were able uh, to arrange that. I was going to ask. I was going to ask about that. I was waiting for the Because Tyson has become somebody who I really do like. I I I wasn't always behind his uh his back. Got to be honest. But then to see his career over the years through like other highlights and videos, it's like shit. Got to give the man some props. Seriously. I think Lennox Lewis. Would I think. Be all right. So peak against peak. I think Lewis. Really think so? Yeah, I think so. Lewis, Lewis against uh, Fury. Yeah, Lewis is just that good. I think he beats anybody. Yeah, I I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with that. Yeah, I mean, if both of those men at their peak, you know, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. I think it'd be a close fight. Oh yeah, it'd be close it'd fight. Be yeah. Similar to Fury or Wilder and Fury, like his style, I don't know. It, that would definitely be an interesting fight. I would definitely pay money for that. Oh hell yeah! Well, if you listen to John Fury, uh, <laughs> if you listen to John Fury, his son can be anybody in the world. Uh, anybody? <laughs> no, no, know, no, 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 no. Any sorry. time period. Uh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. That's Jake Paul. You got to correct yourself. He can defeat anyone at any time. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh <laughs> I'm sure. Just kidding. <laughs> Fuck that. Oh sure. Ugh. Don't you know? Ugh. There's another conspiracy, <laughs> by the way. The Paul brothers. You know, you got to appreciate what they've been able to achieve, but. Um, I'm convinced that they put in those contracts that their opponents are not allowed to knock them out because you look at what, like Tyron Woodley or Floyd oh, Mayweather. Yeah. Come on, dude. Woodley or Mayweather, they could That's have, cons- <laughs> they could have like, ha- they could have ragdolled those guys like, like no problem. Come on. Ser- yeah. Come on. Yeah. Seriously. Think, like, I mean, it's a, so, you right? could say it's like, a conspiracy on itself, but it wouldn't, it doesn't even deserve the, the respect to call it a conspiracy because yeah. it's so plain and obvious. I mean, yeah, let's. I'm going to fight an MMA fighter. Give me the oldest, fattest, like only grapple technique, you know, like barely well, any stand up. It's, like it's not like he was fighting Hoist Gracie, but I'm, let, let's be real. I mean, when you're fighting Ben Askren, and, and don't get me wrong, I was a fan of Ben Askren's. Like, I, I, I did appreciate what he accomplished, like outside of the UFC. Obviously, when he, once, he, once he got into the UFC, well, that first fight with Robbie Lawler, I mean, <laughs> he got molly whopped all over the damn place and then happened to benefit from a bad call from Herb Dean. I believe it was Herb Dean that thought that uh, Robert Lawler was basically choked out in a bulldog choke, but Lawler was just waiting for Askren to like gas out, gas out his arms basically. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, then, then of course, you know, his fight against uh, Jorge Masvidal where he, it's a, he ended up being the, the fastest knockout in UFC history, you know, yeah. the flying knee. It just, it just was all three. And then he uh, fought, uh, was it Leota Machida or no, no, it wasn't. What the hell am I talking no. about? He, he was, he fought, uh, oh, uh the other, George uh, Masvidal. Was, no, no, no. That was the second the one. Knee? The third. Oh, sorry. Yeah. That was, his, that was his second fight in the UFC. And then his third fight against the, uh, Damian Maya. It was against Damian Maya. That's right. And, um, you know, well, Damian, he fought Damian, Anderson, didn't he? Who? Uh, Sean, Shannon, right? Chael? Am I, I think Chael, I might have. Chael yeah, Sonnen? He, yeah, yeah, he fought Anderson Silva. Yeah, right. We we're talking Sorry. about Chelsea, though. We we're talking about Ben Askren. Yeah. Oh, oh, my bad. God damn. <laughs> Both have a heavy uh, wrestling base, but uh, I think uh, Chael Sonnen was a little bit more. I would consider him a lot more um, accomplished as an MMA fighter, only because of strength of con- uh, competition that he he went against. You know, he he was never a champion, but. He he fought for the belt a couple times, but he had fought higher level competition, I think. But anyways, I digress. Yeah, back, sorry, no, my bad, my bad. I completely had a brain fart. They both have the same like beat up face, though. I can't yeah. deny that. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, going back to Ben Askren, I mean, beating him in a uh, boxing match. I mean, especially after the guy had had hip surgery like seven months prior, I think. You know, and he wasn't like 
in shape. You could, you could see like the guy had, a you know, even he was always known for having a dad bod, but he had even worse of a dad bod this time, you know? And I think it was like for, for Askren, like I said, I respect the guy. I think it was just a money grab. Like he knew, like, he's like, all right, well, whatever. I don't do this. This isn't what I, isn't what I do. He's never been known for striking. And like, there's compilations on the internet. You can pull up of like uh, how horrible his striking is, you know, in MMA. But like, yeah, that that kind of stuff is like it makes it kind of obvious. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't think Askren trained for that fight at all. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Just as an aside, I'd le- I've I've read recently that um, I didn't know this because I wasn't following MMA at the time, but they traded apparently they UFC traded um, Demetrius Johnson for Ben Askren. <laughs> yeah, from so to, to UFC, one championship. UFC definitely got the short end of that stick. But let's. <laughs> <sighs> I know, right? Yeah. That's. Uh, dude, like, I feel like there's some athletes, like, let's say, uh, you know, like Nate Diaz or, um, or Mighty Mouse, you know, that the UFC just doesn't appreciate them for whatever reason. Like these guys that they're, they're so good and so entertaining. And like, they just, they don't get the, they don't get the respect they deserve by the UFC for whatever reason. Yeah. I just don't understand it, but I, I still think to this day, Mighty Mouse is one of the greats of all yeah. time. In oh yeah, for he's, sure. He's one of the best fighters that have, have ever been. He's on that Mount, Mount Rushmore, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely he is. Yeah. But all right, let's get back to the conspiracies. So I'm talking about um, Lennox Lewis versus Vitaly Klitschko. Here, here we go. So Lewis's last fight before he retired was against Vitaly Klitschko on June 21st, 2003. It was a really good back and forth battle where both dudes took a lot of damage. Like, go watch this fight. It's a good fight. Like, they're just slamming each other in the face the whole fight. They're just bam, bam, bam. Like, you can't, I can't believe that they were able to both not get, not get knocked out. The amount of damage they were both taking, it was incredible, right? But the fight was eventually stopped when the doctor called it. He, uh, the doctor determined that, um, Vitaly Klitschko could no longer continue because his face was too cut up. Um, And the doctor said, uh, Dr. Paul Wallace said, when he raised his head up, his upper eyelid covered his field of vision. At that point, I had no other option but to stop the fight. If he had moved, if he had to move his head to see me, there was no way he could defend his way against a punch. Now, it sounds gross, right? And like, if you've seen a lot of boxing, you know how incredibly rare it is, or MMA, how incredibly rare it is for a fight to get stopped on a cut above the eye. It almost never happens, no matter how bad the cut is. So this cut was really, really bad. Go ahead and look it up. Vitaly Klitschko, Lewis Cuts. His face is just completely diced up. He's got cuts all over Mm -hmm. him. The one above his eye was caused not by a direct blow, but by a grazing shot. And Lewis, of course, worked on that in the remainder of the fight. But um, interestingly enough, though, the Vitaly Klitschko was behind on the scorecard. I mean, no, Lennox Lewis was behind on the scorecards when the fight was stopped. And that led to a little bit of controversy because a lot of people felt that Klitschko should have won, even though he clearly had taken more damage. And like Lewis said in the post-fight interview, when Larry Merchant was grilling him over the fight, he just said, well, look at the state of his face, you know? <laughs> and that's like, mm-hmm. all right. Yeah. That's, I mean, enough said that pretty much says it all right there, but it's like a, it's like a, another, another, uh, similar one would be like, well, I mean, not by the ending, but like George St. Pierre versus Johnny Hendricks, mm-hmm. like 
I, I got to say, like, I'm a big fan of, of GSP, but I don't think he won that fight. Just look at his face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> look at his face after the freaking fight and look at Johnny Hendricks's. Hendricks's didn't have hardly any marks on it. And then GSP was just like freaking roast beef. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's, okay. So that's a brief, but. that's a brief description of the fight. And it's actually a really good fight. And I highly suggest people go watch it. You can find it on YouTube. It's a good fight. But where's the controversy? Where's the conspiracy? Well, Lennox Lewis was not supposed to fight Klitschko that night. He was scheduled to fight Kirk Johnson. Johnson was very, very good, but nobody in their right mind expected him to beat Lewis. And neither did Lewis, who came into the fight with Klitschko, but he was preparing to fight Johnson. But he came into the fight completely out of shape, entering the ring at a career high of 256 pounds. But so what happened was two weeks before the fight, which is pretty much last minute for this kind of thing, Kirk Johnson pulled out of the fight with an injury. It happens, right? People get injured and stuff like that. But check this out. In the post-fight interview, Klitschko said that he'd been training to fight Lewis for a long time. And I've actually pulled this sound clip off of YouTube, and I will play it for you now. Here we go. Oh, boy. You, you know, I am so disappointed. I'm destroyed with this decision because I, I prepared me for this fight so long time. So his, his English is not that great, but... For so long time. Yeah, so long time. <laughs> but if he, if he hey, took the fight... How dare you make fun of Klitschko? <laughs> <laughs> hey, meet me in the parking lot. Just kidding. If he took the fight... <laughs> Klitschko, that is. ...on a two-week notice, how had he prepared for it for a long time, Right. And that's why I think that this is a conspiracy. So what happened here? So I think that the people behind the scene, the promoters and the managers or whoever, like, I don't know exactly who would have been pulling the strings, but probably the promoters, right? They knew that, that Lewis, not Klitschko, almost a Klitschko there. They knew that Lewis was going to be retiring very soon. This fight or the next one, right? And they also knew that he wasn't training like he should for the Kirk Johnson fight. He was out of shape. And people in his inner circle knew that he was out of shape. So they paid Kirk Johnson to step aside at the last minute, allowing Vitali to step up as a last minute replacement. Vitali was already on the undercard for that night, so he had already been training. But he wasn't training for his scheduled opponent. Instead, he was training for Lewis the whole time. And at this level of combat sports, most guys will train for a specific opponent. They'll prepare for every minutia to get an advantage. They'll make a game plan to exploit a specific weakness of a specific opponent. If one guy has the advantage of doing this over the other, it should be decisive. And as you can see in the fight, Vitali was clearly winning most of the rounds. Not that Lewis wasn't also smashing the crap out of his face. You know, obviously he was. But Vitali was winning the rounds. Um, everyone knew Vitali would be the next champ. He was, he was the hot thing. He was up and coming. Everybody expected him to, once Lewis retired, everybody expected Vitali to take over. So the idea was to let him beat Lewis and become the next big thing, gaining the popularity by dethroning the current champion rather than letting off. Lewis retired undefeated, or I mean, retire with the title, I should say. Yeah. What's up ETA? Oh, I was just saying he was get, he was getting that 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 rub, you know what I mean, like yeah. that that handoff from you know one respected champion, you know it'll make him a lot more respected if that's who he got the belt off of, you know. Yeah, the the passing of the torch, if you will, you know, to it'll it would yeah, it would have yeah, boosted exactly. his career, 
And if Lewis lost his last fight, it doesn't really matter because he's retiring. It doesn't really matter. But Mm -hmm. some people refuse to lose. And Lewis, even though he was out of shape and he was getting his ass whooped, he refused to lose. And he kept on fighting, even though he was clearly exhausted. And he ended up winning the fight and beating Vitaly Klitschko, who many think is, you know, he Klitschko went down to be one of the best ever as well. So this is, you know, I mentioned earlier that fight that didn't happen. Well, this is a fight that did happen. And even an out of shape, over the hill, old Lennox Lewis was still so good that he beat Vitaly Klitschko, who went on mm-hmm. to be also one of the best ever. And you could just look at his resume. I don't want to do like too much sports statistics because it'll kind of bog the show down. But Vitaly Klitschko is very, very good. For example, Vitaly Klitschko never got knocked down in his professional career. Just wrap your head around that. How many people never got knocked down in their professional career, not just in the heavyweight division, but in any division? That's a very rare thing. Uh, didn't Anthony Didn't Anthony Joshua knock him down? I don't think so. I thought so. I don't know. I could be wrong about that, but I thought I thought he did. Maybe. Uh, I could be wrong. Sorry. Might be thinking about his brother, Vladi. Vladi. All right. So that's pretty much uh, that. Cons- Mad Vlad. Yeah. That's pretty much that conspiracy. There's not really a whole lot to it, but um, it it does make a certain amount of sense because, you know, on his way out and they wanted to, you know, kind of throw him to the wolves or to the to the Klitschko before, you know, he retired. So I think that I think that there's a I think it's plausible at the very least, although we don't really have any proof of it. We would need somebody on the inside to verify it. And that's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. So anyways, let's move along to our next conspiracy. Let's go with. Agent Redacted, what do you got for us? Okay, my conspiracy is that some NASCAR races are rigged. Like, uh, they'll put debris at the finish to give it a more dramatic finish. So the driver, it'll be like, ooh, split second. And, like, it's shown that he's, um, Dale Earn- one of Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s races might have been rigged. Which one? Mm. Um, Edit. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, but, though, do it for Dale, baby. Hell yeah, yeah, brother. But yeah, they make it more interesting to keep the ratings up, so they'll rig it, like put shrapnel and stuff. And and because Dale Earnhardt Jr. is such a popular racer, they, they rigged the races for him to win? Yeah, and okay. they rigged some of the racers. And one of the racers actually said, oh yeah, the races are rigged. Which one? <laughs> uh, Tony Stort. Okay. Said they were rigged okay. like pro wrestling. Huh. Interesting. Which makes sense, because it'd make it a lot more entertaining if they were rigged. Yeah. Well, I mean, who wants to watch somebody make a left turn for an hour and a half, right? You know? Yeah, I mean, they aren't very interesting to watch if you watch NASCAR. Or a right turn? I don't know. Which, whichever. That'd be a left I turn. Know it. I should know which direction they're turn. going on the track, actually. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's, uh, it's not my thing, but I definitely see the appeal of it. Yeah. But yeah. So later in the race, he made a dramatic comeback. So, you know... Because it's if if he's just in the lead the whole time, nobody wants to watch that because that's a bit boring. Right. So they set it up to where he loses the lead, and then sometime later in the race, he regains the lead for an exciting finish. Right. Kind of like in the movie Cars. Yes. Where? How did that movie end again? Like, didn't he? Um, I I don't know. I've watched that movie a lot. And he uh, his he was racing. He tied the first time, and then the second time. His opponent, who was like, there was an old car that was retiring or something, and that was going to be his last race. 
and they they she both did. like kind of broke down. And didn't uh, didn't um, Lightning McQueen push to the other guy over the finish line or something? No, I thought didn't he like I remember they did this trick or something where he went on like the side because he's like a NASCAR. And he did a flip or something. Something ridiculous and stupid. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I forget. Yeah, I do that with my car all the time. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I hope not. <laughs> yeah. You, you'll say goodbye to your alignment. <laughs> ah, who needs it, alignment? It's Toyota. It's built Japanese <laughs> I don't think you're Toyota. That's, okay. that's racist. I'm going to edit that out. Is it? <laughs> Is it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But all right, let's get back to the conspiracies. All right. My second conspiracy is a conspiracy that Mercedes sabotaged George Russell's tires in a Formula One Secure Grand Prix because they put the wrong tires on his cars, resulting in him losing the cars. Okay. The race. And why would Mercedes do that? Uh, so they could let Because they're German? Because they're, yeah. <laughs> you can't win. I, I, I want to I'm win. joking, by the way. Um, so they probably made it so another driver could win. Oh, okay. The tires so. got punctured. And I don't know how, but yeah, it's the reason they noticed this is because it's pretty hard to put the wrong tires, you know, right. on an F1 car. Well, and the, the people working in those pit crews, like yeah, they're, they're fast. They know what they're doing. Those are not your average individuals. They're very talented people. Yeah, they can change the tires mm-hmm. in like So the conspiracy is that they wanted to rig the race and they didn't want that guy to win. So they put the wrong tires on him. Yeah. So we know for a fact that the wrong tires were put on the card. Yes. On the car. And because that's such an unlikely thing to happen, then there's the idea that basically they did it on purpose. Yeah, because he was driving Lewis Hamilton's F1 car, which was a very famous F1 car, mm-hmm. and he was winning. And they did. Um, and the reason why is they didn't want to make it look like anyone can just win if they drive Lewis Hamilton's F1 car. So they wanted it to seem like he was a good driver. Oh, I see. Okay, so they, all right, so they, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Okay, I like it. All right, is that what you got for us, yes. Agent Redacted? Okay, let's move on to Agent ETA. What do you got for us, ETA? Oh, boy. Okay, oh boy. so uh, one of the ones that uh, I have is, is a, you know, it's a, it's a boxing one as well. There's the boxing industry throughout the years, throughout the decades, there's quite a abundance of, of uh, conspiracies or very questionable things that have happened. It's it's uh, rich in its history, I guess you'd say. You it know? can be a it can be so, a difficult so, sport to like sometimes. Yeah, I don't I don't like boxing. It's a bit boring. Yeah, it's I I I I love boxing, but I, I also hate it in some ways too. You know, because yeah. it's just it's it, it's it's hard to be a fan sometimes. Yep. You know, and some of the decisions the decisions that you uh, you see made are just like well, yeah it's just like one of those WTF moments like come on man you know like are you kidding me mm-hmm. like some boxers like when we talked about it earlier like some of the boxers like uh, from the same eras that never ended up matching up you know it's because of promoters and because of promoters fearing to lose their cash cow you know what i mean right and, and so that actually is a good segue into uh the, the topic that I want to talk about, which is the phantom punch between Muhammad Ali and Sonny Liston. Now, this fight was actually the second fight that they had. The first fight that they had was on February 25th, 1964, in which um, Ali won in the seventh round after having an extremely successful sixth round. And that fight isn't like a fight that, that many people will, will bring up any conspiracies or anything like that. Because it looks – well, and by the well, way, Muhammad Ali's name at that point was Cash, Cassius, Cassius Clay. Cassius Clay, yeah. Yeah, but isn't that the fight? I have fight? heard some conspiracies. 
that's that's the fight where I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I'm, if I remember correctly, that's the fight where Sonny Liston put something on his gloves that was messing with Ali's eyes. And between rounds, yeah. like early on, Ali goes back to his corner and says, oh, my eyes are all jacked up. I want to quit. And his corner is like, yeah, no, nah, dude, you get back out there and, eyes you and stuff, and well, You don't get to quit, you know? And like they made him go back out there and he went out, he went back out and yeah. won. Well, he still won. Yeah. So it wasn't like the person who won did something, you know what I mean? To, to get an edge or something like that. Yeah. You know, but Sonny Liston yeah, definitely did. Like, like, that dude was dirty. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, 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 in a couple different ways too, uh, inside the ring and outside the ring, it, it appears. Yeah. Um, so their second fight was actually in 1965 and, um, that fight ended in the first round and it, it was kind of weird because like the, the, the shot that Ali landed or Cassius Clay at that time, whatever you want to call him. Let's call him Muhammad Ali because that's how everybody knows him nowadays. You know what I mean? That's his most common accepted name. But anyways, the the blow that he landed in the first round wasn't like one of those blows that like like shook his head, like, you know, listened his head back and like knocked the sweat off him. You know what I mean? He definitely landed, but it was more of kind of a, it wasn't that hard of a punch. You know what I mean? It didn't appear to be at least. And so the reason why a lot of people think that uh, Sonny Liston actually threw the fight was because mostly his personal life. Now, it was actually kind of pretty well established that uh, Liston had had worked for like a, a mob uh, and uh, was it New York, I believe? I don't know, I forget. Um, but he had connections to the mob. He had been like a strong man and like somebody who was like a uh, a debt collector, you know, and, and he had been involved. Uh, his His personal life wasn't, yeah, a clean and squeaky. <laughs> you know what I mean? The, the yeah. guy was a, a bad dude. You know what I mean? Like oh, he was yeah. involved in, in all sorts of stuff, like crime, robbery, stuff like that, you know, and, and some of it he even admitted to, you know, in, in you know, later on in uh, interviews and stuff. But, well, and but I so just, just want to point he, out he real was quick, also, he, let me just point out real quick that um, back in the day, Sonny Liston, that's a guy that people were afraid of him. Kind of like, you know, early in his career, how people were afraid of yes. Mike Tyson. People did not want to fight him. They yeah. were afraid of him. He was a bad dude. So the idea of him going mm-hmm. down from one shot, he would not. Nah, like a, he a was, George Foreman type, just not quite as big. He, he, was a, he was a tough dude. He's not going down from like a little pity pat punch. You're going to have to really, really beat on that mm-hmm. guy to get him to go down. And that's, I just wanted to point that out because probably most people are, are, that are listening to this are not familiar with who Sonny Liston was. Yeah. And it gave that birth to the most famous Ali photo with him standing over him, you know? Yeah. Iconic. Yeah. Yeah. And his, yeah, he, he could have hit him on the way down, but he didn't. Gotta love it. Sonny Liston had always, or he, he also had been known as being a gambler and the guy had debts. So, and, and like another, another thing that you gotta, like some people may not know is like back in those days also, boxers did not get paid how they do nowadays. You know, boxers nowadays are actually benefiting greatly from the Muhammad Ali, ah, ah, excuse me, uh, edit. <laughs> Sorry. I have, edit. I'm still, I'm still a little sick. Sorry about that. I'm still a little sick. So I have like, like phlegm and stuff coming mm. down my throat. Cause I have like a stuffy runny nose. Yummy. You, should, you should put edit on the soundboard. Just go edit. That's nah, fine. Edit. Do you want to press okay. the button? What was I talking about now? Sonny Liston? Which button? Press it's the like, flag. Come here. Press the flag. There's six, there's six on there. There's a lot of buttons, but it's the flag button. There you mm-hmm. go. <laughs> so what was I talking about now? I was talking uh, about Sonny Liston uh, having debt debt problems. You're talking about the Phantom Punch. 
The Phantom Punch, baby. So Sonny Liston, like, had gambling debts. He, he was known to be a gambler, you know, and in that world, if you're uh, addicted to it, like, the house always wins. Everybody knows that. You know, there there's very few and far between that have ever come out on top when it comes to gambling, I, w- I would think, you know, but, I mean, maybe, what do I know? Anyways, so... That's the main reason why people thought that uh, Liston threw that second fight in the first round because the guy was such a bad mofo and the punch that he got sat down with like wasn't that hard of a punch. At least it didn't appear to be. And then he just kind of like, uh, like waited for the count to be over. Then he got up after, you know, and people were like, well, what the hell just happened? You know, like, you know, I mean, people were excited because Muhammad Ali was very popular. Both, both the fighters were very popular, but, um, yeah, it just it was one of those weird ones that, like, uh, even to this day, there's still plenty of argument whether it happened or not. You know, like like whether it was a thrown fight or not is what I mean. You know, yeah. But yeah, that's uh the majority I have about that. You know, I mean, we could talk more about the careers and stuff, but you know, it's uh it's still kind of one of those one of those punches where there. I think it's a question mark. I mean, I I could see the motivation. You know what I mean? And also, like you know, like I said, his personal life and how that lines up to motivations and why, why he may have like, I mean, it may not have even been his decision. You know what I mean? He might've been pressured to do it. You know what I mean? Because there's plenty of, especially in boxing, man, throughout the decades and the generations, there's plenty of, of uh, examples of fights being fixed just so people can make money off of betting. You know I mean? It, it's oh, that's yeah. usually the biggest motivation, you know? Yeah. Especially back in those days. I mean, way more commonplace. Yeah. yeah. So, and also, like I said, like back in those, back in those days, fighters did not get paid like they paid, they, they, they get paid nowadays, you know, like, uh, they benefit highly from the Muhammad Ali act, which actually protects boxers from basically getting taken advantage of. And it shows the steep, like ladder to climb though. I mean, even for Ali, you could look at his, his pay and be like, well, that's still, you know, like not even, you know a penny compared it's pennies compared to like you know mayweather you know he started his own production company his ba- mm-hmm. his own mega superstar and just he's an, it's just crazy where they are now and they definitely owe a lot of that to to the greats yeah oh absolutely sure i mean he 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 was a student of the sport just like anybody else you know oh yeah and, and especially I mean, with his work with the new up and coming uh not up and coming but you know what i mean his uh the prodigy that's supposed to take over for him Oh God! Why am I forgetting his name? Tank. Why am I? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that, it's a bad mofo right there. See that? I wouldn't mind seeing. It. Uh, never mind. I, I digress. Well, I, I was gonna say. I was gonna say. I mean, a lot of people have like varying opinions of Mayweather, but I gotta say, man, you gotta hand it to the guy. Like, the guy definitely knew how to manage his own career, and uh, he was smart enough to create his own promotion and and. Because, I mean, like, just think about it. Like, the promoters take – they usually make more money than the fighter, typically, because, you know, they're you know they're the ones putting on the event, right? And they're the ones doing the, the negotiations. And, all right, that's cool and all. But, like, Mayweather, like, like realized, like, I can just hire people to do this for me and, like, don't give them the title of, like, promoter. I'm the promoter. You know, I own the company, you know, and this and that. And it's not like Golden Boy where, like, you know, with, with De La Hoya, like, it's, it's a different thing. De La Hoya wasn't – he was a, a, you know, he's a, a figurehead, I guess you could say. He, he wasn't the one running the company. It seems to me like Mike Mayweather is very, 
um, involved in, in the business when it comes to his promotion. You know, he knows what the hell's happening on every level. And, and it seems like he's given his fighters, uh, not only good opportunities, but good pay too, you know, especially if they're, they're popular or they're, they're making some, some noise. You know what I mean? You got a good With credit where credit's due, man. Yeah. Hey, like, like I said, I mean, I would have loved to have seen Mayweather versus Pacquiao, Maybe, I don't know, seven years prior to when it really happened. <laughs> that would have been a good time. But, hey, we still got to see it, I guess, right? <laughs> well, that's actually a good segue into my next uh, my next topic, which won't, won't necessarily be a long topic, but it's uh, the theory of has George St. Pierre actually been abducted by aliens? <laughs> <laughs> he is an alien. <laughs> so... Years ago on the Joe Rogan podcast, uh, George St. Pierre described intervals of time in which he was missing. And like, he's, I guess he, he's always been very interested in aliens and stuff, but he's also rather paranoid about getting abducted by aliens. Cause so he described, uh, you know, uh, I'll, I'll do this. I'll, I'll try to do this in a, uh, a, a French Montreal accent accent. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Joe Rogan, I'd be, I'd be driving from home or driving from training <laughs> to home sometimes. And I will, I will uh, notice uh, intervals of time in which I am missing. And then like, sometimes I am lying in bed and I will look at the clock and then I will look at the clock again and it'll be far later than I remember. Like, they, like, what are you talking about? George St. Pierre, did you go to sleep and then wake <laughs> up? And then it was later. Okay. So you're talking about going to sleep then, are you? <laughs> like, no, but like. He uh, talks he, fast. He talks fast. Like when he, he kind of like, aha, then I got me a contact. Like, I don't know. Like it just. <laughs> oh I, no, I space aliens, please do not take me up into your ship and use your anal probe on me. I fought uh, <laughs> Captain <laughs> America. Huh? <laughs> oh, he did. That's right. He did. <laughs> I forgot he was in that movie. The reason he can't remember the space is the roundhouse take, kicked him. They, they take a little bit of his brain out and put it on a saltine. The aliens like that. Yeah, it's that's actually uh, the number one alien delicacy is GSP brain. Really? <laughs> oh, oh, nice. <laughs> Done Quebec's rare, of course. Finest. Just seared on each side. You know, that's all you need, right? Yeah. You know, or it could be also the beating he took from Johnny Hendricks. Oh, or that. You know, from Big Brother. Possibly. There, you know. <laughs> but he actually, well, the interesting yeah, thing, no, uh, we actually talked about this in a previous episode, but the interesting thing about GSP is he was actually in a car with some pretty prominent names and they all saw a UFO with him. So maybe there is something to this story though. Maybe it's not just CTE or, you know, falling asleep and thinking you didn't or something. Yeah. It's a, one, he's one an of alien. the, uh, he's an alien. No, he is. One, an alien. One, one, of the, one of the people that actually corroborated his story, uh, was, uh, Rashad Evans. Yeah. That's one of the guys that was, was in the car with him. Really? Yep. And he's, and he, yeah, he agreed that they saw some weird shit and they didn't know what it was, but they saw it. Yeah. Know? I got to look this up. This is, this is the beginning of a twilight zone episode. You guys should be careful. Yeah. And <laughs> that's, that doesn't seem like. Rashad Evans, to me, does not seem like the type who's just going to say something like that. And in fact, anybody no, who says something no, like that, it could be detrimental to their career. So the, I, don't, I don't feel that Rashad sure. is lying or somehow making up a story. I feel like he's being genuine, yeah. you know? Well, and also at the time when Rashad Evans like, like agreed to the story and like, like he was, he didn't bring it, bring it up. He was asked about it, you know, and he was like, oh yeah, yeah. I remember that happening, you know? And, um, 
at the time, if I'm not mistaken, he was a, an, um, I don't know if he was, he, he was a commentator for the UFC. I don't know if he was an analyst. I think he was an analyst slash commentator, not like a color commentator, like Joe Rogan or, or something like that, you know, but, um, so Evans, he had right? something, he has, he has something to lose, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, like he doesn't, he doesn't need to say that kind of stuff, you know, because some people might, you know, like take it as him being cray cray, you know, like, like, Oh, wait a minute, this guy ain't, ain't all there. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we shouldn't have him as a commentator, you know, that, that could potentially do negative, uh, you know, to your career, you know, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, that, that, that's a, that's, that's a funny, that's a funny little side story there, you know? It's, yeah. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. I'm actually going to be on the border of Quebec next week. So is it oh, really? Vermont area. Quebec or is it Quebec? Uh, one of the two. I don't know. However you say it. Yeah, I don't Quack know. Quack back. Quack you back. back. Well, <laughs> if I anybody Canadian is listening, let <laughs> us know how you pronounce. <laughs> Hubert is in Canada. Hubert? I never knew that. Hubert. Quebec. Go oh, Quebec. Okay. Quebec. Yeah. Quebec. 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 I've always, I've always heard Mexico. it pronounced as Quebec. Q-U-E-B-E-C. Quebec. Quebec. I mean, I guess I Quebec could Google back. how to pronounce it, but that I'm would be. I'm calling it Hubert now. That would take no. effort. Either, either way, we're Hwabak. making fools out of ourselves. It sounds vaguely Mexican. So, <laughs> Agent Kruger, what do you my got turn, for my us? Turn. <laughs> so, I, I made a, a last minute audible play change. This will go into um, pun oh. intended here. So, like um, I'm going to go with the Madden Curse timeline. Okay. Because oh, yes. you guys, everybody's familiar with the Madden franchise yes. and how yes, su- yes. stupendous their games have been in the last couple of years. So. Well, and there's also there's also a similar thing for the UFC games, also. Yeah, that too. Yeah, UFC makes games. That. And then I, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. knew that. And they're hilariously horrible in some <laughs> ways. Say. It's EA, unfortunately, now makes them. But I mean, they've made like twenty, haven't they? It's not as horrible as like you know, like. It's not as horrible as like the new like Battlefield, you know. No, or, I gotta look that up. Like you know, like Fallout seventy six when it was first released. You know, like what a <laughs> what a dumpster fire. You remember the Bellator game <laughs> we played on on PS Now, and it had like you could choose between oh. three guys, <laughs> and like and, like yeah, dude. And like Michael Man. Chandler was so much better than all the other guys that you pretty much everybody just picked him because he won like every 10. time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you got to play much, the Undisputed yeah. <laughs> when it was with THQ. That, like, those were the, the there's solid 13 ones. 13 games. Yes, there are. Wow. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They now, make them like every, every the, year. The best yeah, game. it's so bad. The guess, best game is Sneak King by Burger King. Yes, that is. <laughs> I am not familiar. <laughs> that is the best game ever made. It's a cinematic masterpiece. <laughs> I thought the it best is. game ever made was the first uh, Goat Simulator. No, it's Pepsi Man. Get your, <laughs> get your heads out of your butts, guys. Pepsi Man comes Pepsi in Man. at a close second. No, the best game ever is Ark Survival Evolved. I I, I refuse to hear any other arguments. (laughs) Well, going back to Madden, um, starting in 99, Garrison, I mean, it was 98 going into the 99 season. Um, It was Garrison Hurst was on the cover. And do you guys, are you, I mean, I speak to the listeners that are, you know, of older audience. You guys remember Hurst, right? ETA. I remember the name. I, I remember the name. I, I've never, I've been always kind of a cash, a very casual fan when I have been a fan of the NFL. Um, you're talking about football, right? NFL yeah, yeah, football? 49er. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> they, they make football. <laughs> we're talking games? about golf. That's what Madden is. I thought it was basketball. They don't play. <laughs> They do it's that. Not, too. It's not FIFA. They basically have oh secured God, the made, rights for all the sporting games, like basically. That's 30 terrible. games. Yeah, they made a lot. 
uh, and a lot of money too. So to the point where they don't care about your reaction to their games anymore. It's just like, yeah, they're the reason why the it. reason why I asked that is because I, I brain fart about every two point five seconds. Can so I got to make sure I'm still on the, the same Super line. Nintendo? You know what I mean? <laughs> what? Okay, now you're now that's blasphemous. Te- you leave Techno Bowl alone. Wait a minute, Nintendo sixty four. NFL Blitz. No, for the Super uh, Nintendo. That's all I'm saying. The Blitz. Ooh, I, I, I dropped the mic. That was Boom. PC. That was PS2, I believe. Though. All right. Well, NFL, NFL Blitz. Player. Bullshit. That was on the 64. I know for you a can fact give them steroids. They all have a funny old guy in the front. Set. Maybe it was the all sequel. I gotta say is Tecmo Bowl for the, for the NES. I'm dropping my yeah, mic on that. Tecmo Bowl. Legend. <laughs> the best NES game is what? What's that one with Ow, the dinosaurs? My knee. Which what? What's what? Uh, the one where you destroy the buildings. Oh, Rampage. Rampage is the oh, best. Oh, Monster Rampage, yeah. NES Rampage game. is pretty badass. Yeah. Yes, yes it is. But no I, would ha- I would venture to say uh, for Nintendo 64, uh, Goldeneye. Boom. Yes. Mic oh, drop. Again. I've never played <laughs> Goldeneye. Uh, I heard it's a good one. Stop picking up the mics. Leave them on the floor. To this day, I think Goldeneye is still the best um, you know, couch multiplayer first person shooter it was so much fun i remember we Hell. played it but it was broken dude, so dude, it was only I, on like 164 for the screen or something <laughs> that made it not enjoyable I can't, I can't tell you how many potential thousands of hours i spent on that game with my buddies in the neighborhood like we oh, used yeah. to we used to bet like on each round on multiplayer we would bet like nickels and like like uh <laughs> dimes and quarters or whatever like when you went up to quarters man that you you you're talking a big game you're making you know what I mean? serious like you're, money yeah you're, you're putting down lunch money at that point you know what i mean like <laughs> i, it's not I just, actually vividly it's not remember just loose you change playing anymore. You're getting serious. <laughs> I play. I remember vividly coming over to your house years ago, years ago, and it was on Christmas Eve around there, and uh-huh. you, we were playing gold. And you, we played Goldeneye, and then there was uh, Turok, and then there was Star Fox. Oh, yeah. But I believe you had only Do Star Fox. And somebody, Goldeneye. somebody selling Barrel. Goldeneye Sorry, for three hundred thousand dollars on eBay. That sounds like a fair price. <laughs> That's cheap, actually. <laughs> you should. You should. Yeah, you oh, should see I, the people the, sell the Legos the games though. The golden cartridges. That doesn't surprise me. Fancy. All right. Okay, going back to Madden, though. Yeah. Um, Sorry. So, Sorry. No, no, you're good. You're good. You're good. Uh, so when, uh, when, we, uh, when these players, just for context here, when the players are graced on a Madden cover, that's basically their, their last year of being worthy of, or not worthy, but, you know, being, you know, productive as a player. And they're subjected to just catastrophic, you know, like, series of events that's out of their hands. So you have Garrison Hurst, the 49er, and when he led the team to the playoffs, um, he was a he, solid running back. And then in that year that he was on the cover, he suffered a, a terrible ankle injury. And he only was, he ended up missing two whole seasons because of that. And he would, he never played the same again and arguably was not the same player ever again after that point. So it's, and then you move on to Madden 2000 where Barry Sanders graced the cover and, you know, Barry Sanders, easily reputable name. Um, but he would only go from being that, you know, iconic player to pulling <laughs> an, an unexpected retirement that year. He retired, he was done. And so then he moved on. And there's also similarities to the 2019 season where uh, Andrew Luck was uh, uh, on that, but he retired. But And is then this, you got Eddie George in 2001. Is this like the Harry Potter curse where you can never keep the same dark arts teacher? 
Sounds like it. Yeah, I think it's worse. I mean, it's like you're snapping your leg, you're crashing your car, you're retiring, something's happening. It's like if you're doing good. He's pretending like he doesn't know what Harry Potter is, but he's read all the books. He's got them autographed in his house. (laughs) If ETA hasn't read Harry Potter, I'm going to drive over there and force him to watch it. Open his eyelids (laughs) with like little tweezers. Hey, to be honest, like, like... I think I would probably enjoy those books. I don't. I don't know because I I enjoyed that holy hell out of like Game of Thrones and stuff like that. You know, you like, haven't seen Harry Potter. I do enjoy a. I've seen like the first couple movies. I think I know I've seen the first one for sure. I thought the first two. It or just three never books really like grabbed my attention. Yeah, Let, let's. I don't know. I just didn't. ETA. I, I'm sure they're. I'm sure they're enjoyable. Shame. Shame. I'm not gonna shame, shit on shame. them. You know. Shun the non-believer. <laughs> shame on you. Shame. <laughs> you walk me through the courtyard, whatever. <laughs> no, no, it's a, uh, I'm sure I would enjoy it if I did eventually uh, read it. If, and if, and, and, you know, maybe whatever, but, um, it just never really caught my attention, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like it just wasn't something I was interested in, you know, I, I, I probably will read those books eventually. Cause I, I, I really love fiction. I really love like, you know, like, like, like Lord of the Rings and like, like I said, Game of Thrones and, and like, even like uh the um like like H P Lovecraft the Mountains of Madness that's one of my favorite books dude or is, wait is that what's called right the Mountains of Madness yeah that's one at, of them. it was at, Dark at the Crystal of, be honest it's Dark Crystal at the Mountains of Madness I think yeah that's a sh- I'm pretty sure that's a short story though it is a short story yeah for yeah. sure but it's I remember reading that when I was younger and like like just like like oh that's crazy you know like like. I don't know. It's, it kind of got me into like science fiction and stuff. You know what I mean? So I appreciate the hell out of some of these books. And like, I know that there are some that I haven't read that I really need to. I know that they're going to be good. You know, like for example, like Stephen King's it, I, I, I didn't read that until a year ago, I think, or something like that. And that's a, you know, that's a, it's a, a, a very famous book. It's a very epic, you know, uh, you know, it's a horror sci-fi kind of thing, you know, I guess you could say, right? But it's got that one scene. Yeah. That one scene you're like, what the fuck was he thinking when he wrote that? You know what I'm talking about. I, I remember I listened <laughs> to at the end. This scene shall not be discussed. <laughs> uh, I, I listened to what? The girl yeah, who loves yeah. something something by Steve King. <laughs> the girl who loved Tom Gordon. The girl who loved Tom Gordon. That's a good book. I, I like was that listening one. to it on cassette, but I didn't know there was a backside to the cassette. <laughs> So it's just soaring through the cassettes, oh. and I was really confused. So then I, I, I ended up never finishing the book. <laughs> yeah, that's I have that on. <laughs> yeah, I think we have the ca- cassette tape on that shelf over there. I have or that something. on cassette. It's read by Anne Hache of all people, but she did an excellent job reading it. I really like that book. That's mm-hmm. a really good book. I got confused where the monsters came in. I'm like, wait, she's yeah. just in the forest. <laughs> now she's in a truck. Yeah. There's demonic <laughs> monsters. Yeah. What's going on? But all right, well, let's get <laughs> back. This book is written horribly. <laughs> let's get back to Agent Kruger's conspiracy. So Eddie George, 2001, uh, he didn't have like an instant fate like, you know, everybody else was having. It seemed as soon as they their names was and faces slapped on these covers. But Eddie George actually fumbled and was stripped by Ray Lewis, another legendary run, or linebacker in the playoffs against Baltimore. Uh, in that year and then ultimately it was a big part of uh, the it was a big part of why they were eliminated and of course uh, but then uh, the following year the injuries just kept stacking up against George or Eddie George and he's arguably one of the best running backs in to ever grace the field Uh, but he retired after the 2004 season and it just seemed like after he was put on that cover just things kind of went downhill got Dante Culpepper in 2002 
got Marshall Falk. You know, he was part, he was the running back for the greatest show on turf, but then he, uh, he, list of injuries started happening as soon as he was on that cover and he can only he never rushed for a thousand yard season after he made that cover and he's like a couple seasons after that he had a season ending knee injury and just retired um or actually i'm sorry i take that back not a knee injury i take that back completely it was just like a dismal like season after season and he just was not posting up the numbers that he used to and he just seemed to like not care and another famous one was uh michael vick in 2004 and every that's an easy name to remember you know the cheat code himself uh but he suffered a broken leg during a preseason game that year and he he missed 11 games because of it um, and then games. after that ray lewis uh was on madden in 2005 yes i mean depend i mean it's a make it or break it for a season in the NFL. Um, some some of these curses don't really like affect all the players, but it seems to have like a majority effect on all of them. So I'll just kind of go for the more, you know, entertaining ones. And then you got Donovan McNabb. Um, he's actually edit real quick. Sorry, edit, edit, edit. Sorry, my thing's freaking out. Oh, well, you should probably do it. Edit, do it. You should hey, probably should, take care of that. Should get like my all on here Hit the flag. to record <laughs> this. I hear smacking it with a book calms it down sometimes. <laughs> that sounds like a way to waste Dude, quite a, bit a mallet. A <laughs> uh, book's wimpy sauce, bro. I take a mallet. <laughs> so when Donovan McNabb made that cover, he just started having just terrible performances and landing in uh one he landed on that Madden cover. Um in his first game of the season, uh he got hurt, ended up missing seven games that season, and it was also the year he entered at like a just huge scrutinies because he had a very public feud with his uh star wide receiver, Terrell Terrell Owens. And yeah. uh, but he he never made it back to T-O. the Pro Bowl after that season, and it was just just a complete shit show. And then uh, you got Sean Alexander, you got Vince Young, Brett Favre, Troy Polamalu, Larry Fitzgerald, and you can just go in and look at a lot of these players and where their careers have gone. You know, post being graced on these covers and stuff like that, and them putting their faces. I mean, it's a lot of incentive to just you know, get paid by this gaming company, EA, and you're on the cover of video game, one of the most popular football games there is. I mean, it's it's a huge incentive, but like it just, the list keeps going on with players that have had some sort of malfunction in their career and it just was never the same after their, their uh, them being on the cover. Well, the more popular your face is, the more sponsors you're going to get. You know what I mean? Like, so why not, right? I, if I was a player... I would, I'd be like, nah, fuck that curse. You know what I mean? It's just, nah, it's not a thing. Not for me, you know? <laughs> just every, all the other 21 other people have been on there, right? <laughs> but, but, yeah, right, nah, nah. Well, before, yeah. before we move on hey. to, to my last conspiracy, I'd like to I'm ask you guys. I'm not done. Oh, you're oh. not done. Oh, sorry. Hold sorry. on. Sorry. Uh, I'm always, I'm yeah. off Madden 2011. Edit. There's 22 oh, of these pieces oh, yeah. of shit games. Sorry, sorry. I thought you were yeah, done. Yeah, come on now. No, on the Drew Brees like that? Come on. You got Peyton Hills, Calvin Johnson. You got Madden 25, which is probably the worst Madden of them all. That was out in 2014. That was Adrian Peterson. Uh, He had an ACL tear. You know, I'm trying to like just ring these off right now. You got Richard Sherman, Odell Beckham Jr. A lot of these names, you know, in the headlines of making some 
some sort of, you know, something happened to them or they had something, you know, they've done, you know, Richard Sherman's career has never been the same, arguably. I mean, he's getting in tirades, smashing doors. Odell Beckham Jr. is trying to revive his career as one catch wonder in the L.A. right now. You got Rob Gronkowski, though. But when he made the cover, he actually won the year. He won the Super Bowl that year when he was on the cover, but he still had like a, a terribly injury riddled season. And he only was able to start only six of those games. Curse. I don't know. You, I don't know. I mean, if you look at his track record, yeah, he, but he's pretty reliable. It's Gronk. It's Gronk. You got, but Tom Brady, the most famous of them all though. Matt in 2018, Matt, see Brady though, breaks the mold and it's hard to put him in that box. But, uh, so I would just skip that. But the one that I always like to just refer to when I speak about a Madden curse is just Antonio Brown. I mean, he was like the year he was just at his all time best, arguably like he made that cover. And then after just, just complete utter circus after that and just antics on and off the field. So, I mean, it was just crazy. And then he got Patrick Mahomes, even though he won a Super Bowl and was MVP. He still had in that season. He had a nasty knee injury that was it was it was bad. It looked bad and it didn't look good. But he was still able to rally and come back. And then the last one is Lamar Jackson, who is my quarterback for the fantasy football team that didn't make the playoffs this year. So thank you, Lamar. Um, but no, but uh, yeah. So there, there it is. Now I am finished. Thank you. <laughs> and and I'm done. boom goes the dynamite. I'm done. Well, before I get to my last conspiracy, I wanted to talk about favorite sports named athlete or favorite athlete with a name. But um, of all the athletes that have ever been, my athlete that I would say is my favorite as far as names go has to be Coco Crisp because he sounds like a delicious breakfast cereal. And that's a real name, by the way. <laughs> it's a baseball player. It is. <laughs> so I was curious, do that's you real fellas cereal. have any favorite names? For sports type people, could be anybody, like Nick 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 Chubb. No, just no. That's his real name. Coco name Crisp is his real name. <laughs> yeah, I'm, ta- oh, I'm, ta- oh. I'm being serious. This running back for the the Browns, Cleveland Browns, is Nick Chubb, and I, I just love that name. I love <laughs> me and Chubb. I'm, I'm going cuckoo for cro- Coco Crisps or something like that. Yeah, Nick Chubb. Okay, that's a good one. <laughs> uh, Agent Redacted, I don't believe, watches Damn. any sports ever, so we'll skip him. <laughs> I, I don't know anything about any sports. <laughs> wrong wrong episode for him, I guess. Yes, definitely. <laughs> and uh, and what about you, ETA? Do you have a favorite sports name? I, I believe there was a baseball player named um, Rick Dub- or Buttkiss. Yeah, his last name was Buttkiss. Well, yeah, there there was that, that football guy, the football game, na- the football guy named. I, I know my favorite named Dick Buttkiss, right? My favorite. That, is that, maybe that's who I'm thinking of. You know, yeah. that's who I'm thinking of. You're yeah. right. I mean, why was, would you, I was totally wrong. Why would you not go by <laughs> Richard? You know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. My favorite is Frank Twinkle Toes. That's definitely my favorite. Oh, yeah. His, his nickname. Yeah. Frank Trigg. Yeah. That guy, man. I love me oh, some yeah, Frank, Frank Trigg. Trigg. Yeah. What an exciting fighter, you know? He's a referee now. Yeah. I heard huh. that. Yeah. He, he seems like, like a cool dude. If he, if he has his nickname, what's the what's the boxer or the MMA fighter who has the pokeball and throws it? Oh yeah, yeah, wait. that's that's also one of my favorites. Uh, People do ridiculous shit like that are definitely on my tier list. Michael Page? 
Michael Page, yeah, Michael yeah. Venom Page. Yeah, he fights in Bellator. Yeah, and yeah. he did that against a uh, um, cyborg. That one dude. He knocks his dude out like cold. Like this guy is just twitching on the floor. He goes back to his corner. He gets the hat that this is. That's the hat that um, Ash wears on, on the show Pokemon. And uh, mm-hmm. he gets a Pokeball and he rolls it <laughs> onto the down of the you guy should, who's still unconscious on the floor. <laughs> like he's you should, you should really look it up on YouTube. It's, it's hilarious. Yeah, it is hilarious. Kind of kind of a mean thing to do, but also a very hilarious thing to do. Everyone knows Brock <laughs> is the best Pokemon. There was a baseball player who played for Reading. Uh-huh. Pen- I forget, not Pennsylvania, but his name is Steve Shart. So I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> he got, and he also got, hey, this one's for redacted because it's a, a, a driver. Um, Dick Trickle. That was a good <laughs> <Yeah>. one. <laughs> <laughs> he also got a Phoenix Mercury player, a female player by the name of Dewana Boner. That's awesome. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh, you someone a lot, at our school, a lot. yeah, Dick Sisler too. You can't get someone at our reds. school changed the letters in a sign to say boner. <laughs> oh, sorry, that's a good. <laughs> what a, can't what beat a, that. Can't beat that. What a silly thing to do. All right. Well, enough enough shenanigans and tomfoolery. I'm gonna get to my last conspiracy, which is Vitaly. I talked about Vitaly Klitschko earlier. Now I'm gonna talk about his little brother, Vladimir Klitschko. So Vladimir Klitschko fought a dude named Lamont Brewster for the vacant WBO heavyweight title on April 10th, 2004. Klitschko was the heavy favorite going in, just like his brother. He was tearing through the division, knocking everybody out, and doing really well in general. I mean, he he had more losses than Vitaly, but we won't go into all the stats and stuff. We'll just get onto the conspiracy right away on this one. So anyways, Klitschko was the heavy favorite. Nobody expected Brewster Brewster to have a chance of winning the fight. So the fight started off as expected. It was pretty much a one-sided beatdown. Klitschko landed some pretty scary shots, and Brewster landed pretty much nothing at, a fa- nothing at all. After the first round, the co- one of the commenters, Larry Merchant, said that he would have scored the first round 10-8 for Klitschko because Klitschko landed so many heavy shots and Brewster landed pretty much nothing. So the fight goes on, and between rounds 2 and 3, you can see that there's clearly something wrong with Klitschko. He's starting to look sort of like clammy and sick. After the fight, Brewster said in the post-fight interview, by the way, that he started to hear Klitschko breathing heavy in the second round. So up to this point, Brewster had barely landed anything at all, and he was getting just completely beat up. Like, he was... I can't believe the shots that that Brewster was taking and not going down. So he had a he had a tremendous chin. So in round three, Klitschko is noticeably slower and he starts to get hit. And by the end of the round, he starts to look like wobbly on his feet and like he just his skin looks pale. He looks sick. He looks like sick and clammy. That's the only way I can put it. In round four, Klitschko comes back a little bit. And he lays down just a horrendous beating on Brewster. It's it's not I don't like it's not even I don't even like watching it. I like to watch a good competitive fight. I don't like to see somebody take this much of a beating. It's one of the worst beatdowns I've ever seen in round four. Um, you know, Brewster he's knocked down three times in the round, but because they it was they were kind of awkward knockdowns and they kind of tangled up. Only one of them was officially ruled a knockdown, but. Brewster got his ass kicked in this round. And just as an aside, huge props to Brewster. Uh, This was a really inspirational performance 
because he refused to give up. He had the heart to keep going even after taking such a tremendous beating. So between rounds, Klitschko starts to look even worse. And you can see him. He just sort of like collapses onto his stool. In round five, Klitschko lands some more heavy shots. But late in the round, he gets hit with some big stuff from Brewster. And Klitschko falls onto the ropes. And the ref rules that that's a knockdown. And he gives Klitschko a standing eight count. During the standing eight count, Klitschko looks totally exhausted and pale and sick and like wobbly. He looks delirious. He looks like he can barely stand up. The fight continues with Brewster going on the attack for like the final 15 or 20 seconds of the round. He misses with most of his final shots. Some of them land as like a grazing blow, but he doesn't land anything clean. After the bell, Klitschko collapses onto the canvas. He can barely get up. He needs help to get up and he wobbles to his corner. The ref, seeing that Klitschko is in such bad shape, waves off the fight, awarding Lamont Brewster the TKO victory. In his corner, you can see but uh, the, the cameras are watching Klitschko in his corner after the fight as the commenters are talking, and he looks totally, like, delirious. Like, it's, it's weird. I've seen plenty of knockouts. I've seen plenty of fighters punch themselves out, as they call it, or basically you know, overexert themselves and become exhausted. This wasn't that it did not look normal. This is not a normal look for a fighter. He looked well and the, the way he acted was very out of character for him. Yeah. So go watch the fight to see what I'm talking about. He does not look like a guy who's exhausted. He does not look like a guy who's just gotten knocked out. There's definitely something wrong with him. That's not normal. It's very clearly there's something wrong with him. Um, I don't want to mm-hmm. take anything away from Brewster because his performance was really, really good. He overcame a tremendous beating that he took in the early parts of the fight. And it was a really inspirational performance. And he did come back and won that fifth round, you know, and laid some leather on Klitschko. So I'm not trying to say that, you know, and Brewster was very, very good. He just wasn't quite top notch, you know, but um, huge props to him for actually winning this fight. But uh, yeah, I don't think he had anything to do with any sort of shenanigans either. So I just want to put that. I think Brewster was just doing his job. So also just a, um, an, as an aside, the shit talking by the commentary team of Jim Lampley, Larry Merchant, and Roy Jones Jr. after the fight is just plain shameful. They go on and on about how bad Vladimir's chin is, mm. how he didn't mm. have any heart. And they basically just talk shit about a guy who it, he's, he's sitting in his corner he just got his ass whooped and um, the way they're talking about him is just sort of embarrassed. I'm like embarrassed for them. You know what I mean? And uh, it's just a really bad look for that commentator team. You just, you don't kick somebody when they're down, you know, and they were kicking the crap out of them. Congrats to Vladimir for getting through the fight when he was obviously not doing well. Yeah. And here's the thing, dude, if somebody loses, you just back off. All right. They're not trying to lose. They're trying to win. They just got, whooped they got their ass beat and they're not feeling great so just you know go easy on them you know what i mean that's all i'm saying um but yeah he was they're like they're talking they're showing the camera is on vladimir he's clearly in distress you can see him in the corner the doctor dr margaret goodman is in the corner and examining him he's like moving around like the way he's like rocking back and forth is not does not look normal he's clearly in distress and then the commentary team they're just talking shit about him. How he, like he doesn't have heart, he doesn't have a chin, and they're just it's it was not good. It was shameful commentating. 
Um, they did not act like professionals on this occasion. I normally like this commentating team, but um, in this case, I was just like, uh, I, un, it's unbelievable that they would have so little respect for somebody. You know, anybody willing to get in the ring with, you know, any of these people at this level is, I, they deserve respect automatically, right? Just out of that. But mm-hmm. in my opinion, go watch the fight. You'll see that although he was totally exhausted by the end of the third round, well, even the second round, but he fought on and he, re- Vladimir, he refused to get up, even though he's completely exhausted. So that's heart and that's determination. By the end, he didn't even look like he knew where he was, but he still didn't give up. He didn't look like he could even stand up by himself, but he did not give up, right? He didn't give up until he could not, no longer stand. He just fell onto the floor, because he lost his balance. He didn't look like he could stand up anymore, right? After the eight count, the ref asked him, do you want to continue? He says yes, and he continues for the remainder of that round, even though there was very clearly something wrong with him. So he could have fallen to the canvas. He could have given up. He could have told the ref, I can no longer continue. When he fell down, he could have stayed down and not gotten up off the canvas. So, you know, it's easy to sit at the ringside and criticize and talk shit about the people in there, but none of those guys, and I include Roy Jones in this, had anything near to the heart and determination that Klitschko had that night. So I just wanted to point that out, uh, you know, rant over, but man, sometimes these things really bother me. It's like, you know what, dude, let's see you get in there and take a shot from Lamont Brewster, Larry Merchant, or Jim Lampley, or even Roy Jones. That guy is Mm -hmm. a flipping beast. Go look him up. Lamont Brewster. Like I said, he was never a top, top guy, but he's a scary dude. You could not pay me to fight that guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> so props to Klitschko on that. But anyways, right? were you going to say something, yeah. Major Redact? Yeah, anyone who has any courage enough to like step in the ring and get beat up deserves an award. Yeah, exactly. In front of an audience, too? Yeah. Uh, okay. I don't know. Like, uh, you, pay me no- you pay me enough money, I'll go get knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah, for, for like you'd 20, still 30 be million, as, you know, yeah. what the heck? If you, if you give me an RTX 3090. Big ballsy mother. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If I, yeah, yeah. If I'm making like $50,000, you know, like 15, like, or yeah. 50. Yeah, why not? All right. I'll go, I'll, go, I'll go get knocked out. Yeah, Dental dude. covered? <laughs> yeah, I am good. Yeah. yeah. Right. Oh, so, especially if dental is covered. All right. So let's talk about the conspiracy side of this. So what happened? Vladimir was always in great shape. He didn't normally gas out in his fights. Sure, he'd get tired, but he never got so tired that he literally fell over from exhaustion. And remember, you can go watch this for yourself, but remember, he didn't fall down at the end of the fifth round. He did not go down on a punch. It kind of looks like he did, but it didn't look like that solid of a punch. He fell down because there was something wrong with him, in my opinion. So the pace of the fight was, it was a pretty good pace, but not nothing that would make a guy like Vladimir gas out by the end of the third round when he started to appear really exhausted. Most people say that Klitschko punched himself out, that he didn't have the endurance to throw so many shots, but the number of punches thrown in the fight by Klitschko was about 300. And that's not an unusual number for him. He threw over 400 in the rematch with Brewster, which he won after six rounds by corner stoppage. Brewster's trainer, Buddy McGirt, uh, you in in between rounds you can watch the fight and McGirt told yeah Buddy McGirt he which a uh, world famous trainer he's a Buddy McGirt is an excellent trainer but we won't go into that but he told Brewster he's like man I'm not gonna let you take any more damage and he stopped the fight he said I'm stopping it you know and uh, props to Buddy McGirt for that because most trainers don't are not willing to do that they don't want to risk themselves and the risk their fighters but you can see 
you can see Buddy McGirt that he really cares for his athlete. And he's like, no, I, I can't, I can't let you take more of this damage because the fight was pretty one-sided. He was just taking some big shots. So, uh, you know, just huge. I got huge respect for Buddy McGirt for making that decision. Um, and again, like, Buddy McGirt. I, I don't, <laughs> I don't like to see ass beatings either. I like to see a good competitive fight. And when one guy's clearly losing, I like to see the fight stopped, you know? I don't like to see it continue yeah. to take yeah. unnecessary damage, you know? Oh, yeah. Nobody wants to see somebody die in the ring for crying out loud. Yeah. No. But yeah, of course all not. of them, I mean, at least I don't. Yeah. So what's what was what was going on in the first fight, though? One theory, which uh, Klitschko, him, Vladimir himself talked about, was that the cut man, Joe Souza, which is one of the most respect, respected cut man ever, uh, was to blame. Before the fight, he slathered Klitschko with Vaseline all over his body, something he had never done before, despite having worked with Klitschko before. Why did he do this? Nobody knows. He never said why he would do something like this. Normally, they'll put a, a thin layer of Vaseline on the fighter's face. Some people think that that's to like help the punches glide off and they think it'll prevent damage. It doesn't prevent damage. You get punched in the face, it's going to hurt. But what it does do is it helps to not get cut so the skin doesn't get pulled by the leather gloves. So they'll put that thin layer of Vaseline on their face to help prevent cuts, right? But that, So that's standard, but never before had he put it all over his body. And the idea is that this clogged all of his pores and caused him to overheat and become exhausted during the fight. And I tried to find some like good actual medical information. It seems like a possibility. Um, it does appear that covering one's skin and pores with something like Vaseline does have negative effects and can make somebody feel sick. But I couldn't find any like good medical evidence uh, or like you can back. I got to add on to that. Yeah, go you ahead. could actually add on to that with, uh, you know, go figure Goldeneye. Or Goldfinger, <laughs> not Goldeneye, but uh, James Bond film where she was covered in all gold. Uh, the actress oh, herself yeah. would spoke. They had to take breaks in between because the gold on her skin was making her profusely sweat and like choke, basically. Like she couldn't. It wasn't just sweating. It was just like this this confining feeling. Yeah, I remember. So, like, I don't know, yeah, covering. Uh, I remember MythBusters did an episode on that. Yeah. And they said they said that it made them feel sick and stuff. And they were not fighting in a professional fight, by the way. They were just sitting in a chair or whatever. They were not exerting themselves. Yeah, well, I know. But yeah, it does seem that there's some evidence that something like this could cause trouble. But I couldn't find any like actual studies or anything. It's not like uh, something that you're going to ever see medical studies on. But it does seem to be a thing, though. So um, who knows for sure? But. After the fight, the Klitschko's fired Joe Souza and never worked with him again. Um, instead, they hired, I think they hired good old Stitch. But, uh, oh, the, Stitch um, ran? Yeah, but they never worked with Joe Souza again. And, uh, you know, they didn't trust him after this point. So they definitely thought he was up to something. It, it seems like it could have that effect. But also, it's possible that maybe something was mixed in the Vaseline that could have absorbed into the skin and make that was my first thought, yeah, and make Vladimir feel sick. So, like, it look if you look at go watch this fight, he looks like there's something wrong with him, he looks like he's poisoned basically. And this could be one way that the poison could have gotten into his system, right? And it would explain mm. why Joe Souza would have done this when he never would have done this before. Um, I'm not trying to say bad stuff about Joe Souza, I never met the guy personally, and I'm not trying to make him 
look bad, but on the other hand, it is kind of weird that he would slather him with Vaseline having never done that before. It's a strange thing to do. If So if Vladimir was poisoned, that would come up in his blood samples, right? Well... But also, there's MMA fighters that do that, that have been accused of doing that, that lather themselves up so they can get out of, you know, being held or grappled. Yeah, like... like yeah, a, on the shoulders and at certain points, yeah. For example, Chel Sonnen versus um, Anderson Silva too, for example. <laughs> but mm-hmm. that's, uh, that's another thing. That's uh, maybe perhaps for another time. So one thing that's important to know is that Don King was involved with this promotion. So we could just say case closed with that one, you know, because everybody, everybody knows Don King was uh, allegedly has a reputation of being not such a nice guy. But what? <laughs> but with um, that hair. So morals. Af- after what are those, yeah. <laughs> after the fight, Klitschko was rushed to the hospital. His blood sugar was highly elevated, and he was inches away from falling into a diabetic coma. With blood, with blood sugar that high, he would have had symptoms such as like fatigue that match what we see on the camera. And you don't get blood sugar by exhausting yourself. You don't get high blood sugar like that from overexerting yourself or punching yourself out, right? Something else was responsible. Something weird hmm, happened to him there. Hey, what are you doing over there? Was that? That was. Was that? that was not intentional. I'm sorry. Agent redacted is making strange noises into the microphone. <laughs> Edit. All right. So anyways, turning into an alien Klitschko, he did submit blood and urine samples to be tested so that they could figure out what was wrong with him. But those samples mysteriously disappeared. So we never were able to find out what was in his system. And Mm. by the time that you find out that it's disappeared, it's going to be like, you know, a couple weeks later and whatever is in his system is going to be no longer in his system. Right. So, I, I mean, has anybody ever gone in for a blood test and then they call for the results and then they're like, oh, sorry, we lost your sample. Like, that never happens. It's very, very mm-hmm. suspicious, right? By well, itself, if they were like, your sample was contaminated and why don't you come back in, I would understand that. But. Yeah. But by itself, um, that, that one piece may not seem suspicious, but when you add up everything, you're like, well, that's... Yeah, that checks out. That makes sense that his samples would disappear, you know, <laughs> because of course they would. But one doctor suggests that he could have been poisoned with the prescription medication Haloperidol, which is, I guess, tasteless and doesn't have a smell and could cause the effects that were reported. The FBI was investigating this case, but they didn't ultimately did not really find anything conclusive. And they they were also investigating fight fixing in general in the Las Vegas area. Klitschko's lawyer believed that it was part of a bigger fight fixing problem in Las Vegas. In the day or two leading up to the fight, the odds for Klitschko dropped from 11 to 1 to 3.5 to 1. Somebody or a group of people, reportedly a bunch of people like 40 people or so that were connected to Brewster's manager, all bet on Brewster to win by KO at the last minute. And this is something that's kind of hard to prove, but we do know that the odds changed from 11 to 1 to 3.5 to 1 at at the last minute, meaning that somebody was putting a crap ton of money down on Brewster. That's strange. It's very suspicious, yeah. So that's... You know, that's something that's not proof, but it's unusual for somebody to go put, you know, millions of dollars on some on 
such a heavy underdog to win, you know? Maybe mm-hmm. maybe Bill Gates got bored or something. Yeah, maybe. Hey, it's it's the underground. It's dark it's dark market or the black market of some sort. It's definitely somebody who's laundering money. Like yeah. it's, it's so like that's what the whole NFT craze is, in my opinion. It's just another way to laundry money. So <laughs> makes a lot of sense actually, because I don't know anyone who would actually buy an NFT. Money laundering. I wouldn't buy these these monk these like ape yacht club things. I don't understand what the whole like. Wow, they just sound I like mean, commissions damn, with thirty one thousand for digital. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. New fancy internet they're, thing. You're old. You <laughs> wouldn't understand. They're talking about uh, crypto crypto tokens called non fungible tokens, which they're stupid. We will not oh. get into right now because we're already running pretty long. Because they're stupid. This is already going to be a very long edit for me, so we'll go ahead and move on. I just have a little bit more here to finish up. So a security camera caught two people entering, entering Klitschko's booth. It says online, I read booth, but I'm guessing that's like his changing room. But two people entered his booth shortly before the fight, and they were there for four minutes before leaving. They were not members of Klitschko's team. Vitaly Klitschko later said that Emmanuel Stewart's assistance security badge had already been registered before he got there by somebody else. This is turning into some Ocean's Eleven stuff. I know, isn't it? And this badge would have given these anybody access to anything in the venue like Klitschko's dressing room. So Vladimir himself said that he had been, he felt like he'd been drugged. So we don't have hard proof of exactly what happened. And, but the fact that his blood samples were lost, uh, the fact that, um, you know, the athlete in question said there was something wrong, the high blood sugar, the two guys caught on camera, the extra Vaseline, the unusual betting activity... This case, like any one of those pieces, you might be able to just sort of shrug it off. But when it when you put it all together, it's pretty clear that there are some shenanigans afoot. And if if you don't believe me, go watch his his start with his second fight against Lamont Brewster, then watch his first fight against Lamont Brewster, and you'll see there's a big difference between the two. And you can see very clearly in the first fight there is something wrong with him. He is not okay in that fight. There's he's messed up, right? He does not look good in that fight. Like he looks physically ill. There's something wrong. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but you know, even, even though he was messed up, he dominated almost all of the fight until the very last minute of the fifth round. And then, you know, then Brewster started laying it on him, you know, so a valiant effort by Klitschko in this fight, as well as Brewster, uh, it was, it was a good fight for what it was. And so that, those are my, that's my second conspiracy. And uh, I'm the first one, I don't think I'm as convinced of. I think it's an interesting idea, but it does seem to be some shenanigans. This second one, I am like 100% the Vladimir was drugged somehow with something. So a 10 on a 10 on we the should, We should sell this to Steven Spielberg. I know, right? No. Yeah. Steven Spielberg, you said it. <laughs> all right. So that's about all we have for you this week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy the show, you can really help us out by leaving us a good review wherever you listen to podcasts and suggesting the show to your friends. And remember, keep it strange.